So when I first came here as the principal, um, it was five years ago, and the building had just gone through a ton of changes. There had been six principals the year before, and the building had just had a lot of, of challenges with student discipline and with teacher turnover and administrative turnover. And so really that first year was just about stabilizing the community, building back relationships and trust with families, building back those relationships with teachers, and then really looking at what community organizations were most impactful here and thinking about how to leverage those for the future. As a second grader, I love this school. So Clarence Farrington has always had a special place in my heart, but 22 years later, it looked very different. It was a school that had gone through four or five principals in one year. There wasn't a lot of consistency. It was a failing school. It was a school where 85% or more of the children were at or below poverty level. And I just knew that we had a real opportunity to be able to help the leadership team, the teachers, and the students here at Clarence Farrington. So we just wanted to really begin to explore what that would look like for Connection Point and for Clarence Farring to partner together. So we really took that first year, just Carol and I building a relationship to say, what does that look like? So instead of rushing into saying, this is what we think that we should happen, we knew that we could not come in with our own agenda, that we needed to really take some time and see what a strong partnership would look like so that both Clarence Farrington and the people at Connection Point could benefit from a serving opportunity partnership. It's suburban and urban meeting together, but having a common goal of wanting to help our students. So I think it's really important when you're talking about how to build strong relationships between schools and churches is to, to fundamentally understand where there are similarities and where there are differences and just be really open in discussing what those differences are, what the school's you know, legal obligations are, but not being afraid to, to move beyond just what those look like and talk about how you can implement them in practice and talk about having those conversations between Buddy and myself and really thinking about what does open dialogue look like when you're talking about an issue of, of church and state. And I just, I think that one of the best lessons we learned is that open dialogue and the relationship piece between the coordinator on the church's side and the principal or the school official charged with building the relationship and just making sure that we can be both really transparent with each other about what our needs are. Um, Connection Point did a wonderful job kind of communicating what their role could be right from the beginning. And I think that I was able to articulate very early on in our partnership what what is possible within a public setting and, and what isn't. Well, I think that you can sometimes begin with transactional ways of doing things. I remember when I walked in that day, I asked Carol, and it, then she was the assistant principal then, and I asked the principal, I said, what is it that you need here? And so they first kind of just looked at me kind of with a blank stare, like we need a lot of things here. But they, they landed on, we have six classrooms without printers. And so I left the school there. I went to Best Buy down the street. I bought six printers and came back an hour later with six printers. And so for me, it wasn't about the printers because that's not important. It was about me saying, I'll keep my word. If I tell you that we're going to get six printers, then six printers will come and they'll come sooner than later. So I think that it's important to have those transactional things, things that we do to help each other. But I think that even more important than the doing is the being. And it's just saying, I'm going to be here. This is when I'm going to be here. And this is what will happen when we'll be here. And that Carol can understand that 
there's nothing behind my words mm -hmm. besides what she hears. So there's no hidden motivation. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else I want to do so that when she hears me talking, when she hears the things I'm saying, she doesn't have to think that there might be something else that I'm really not saying, but we can take each other our word. And I think that that's really the strength of our partnership is the, is the solid trust. The teachers and the staff here at Clarence Farrington do heavy lifting every single day. I don't even begin to pretend to know what they go through. Um, just emotionally mm -hmm. and mentally and physically, the things that they do, they put in 50 to 60 hours minimum every week. So we understand that as a church, what we can do to support them will actually really help the students in the long term. It's difficult to be able to figure out how to influence 700 people in a building, but you can really make a big impact on 70 teachers. So we create a lot of opportunities relationally and transactionally to support the teachers so that they can be better prepared day in and day out to take care of their students. Well, one thing I would point to, just going back to kind of the previous question on, on building trust and those transactional things and what churches can do to help facilitate that. From the school leader perspective, you know, I can't emphasize enough for organizations that want to work in schools to do some, some searching, some soul searching on your own before you come to a school and really decide what, why are you there? In listening to Buddy's answers, like that was a huge part of it is that these printers didn't show up with strings attached because they wanted something. And I think that sometimes when we give in schools or we give in communities, we, we want something in return, whether, whether we know what that is or whether we just, you know, think that it will come to us. And I think that it's so important. And what made this partnership so different for me as the school leader, and it helps navigate some of those kind of legal complexities we talked about earlier, is that there wasn't a string attached to the giving. And there hasn't been a string attached to our relationship that I don't feel that the partnership pressures us in any way. And I, I genuinely feel that we can call on buddy like we would call on family. And I think that that makes a huge difference in kind of establishing that relationship. And so in terms of what programs have been most impactful, you know, I think a huge part of the success has just been stabilizing the staff community. I think having someone come in and be able to celebrate and welcome and support people who are giving everything they have every single day for kids has been a really powerful experience. I also think, you know, as Buddy talked about, our relationship has just really evolved from some of those transactional things from them sponsoring blessings in a backpack, which provided food for 700 families for the last five years, um, to the back to school carnival where we would give school supplies, to the building of a reading partnership, to extra supplies for classroom teachers and high school tutors coming in and working with students. I mean, I think there's a lot of programmatic pieces that are layered, you know, like a layered cake in the building in terms of what supports look like. But I don't think any of those are imp as impactful as just the the being a part of this community, community of genuinely taking an interest in teachers' lives, in kids' lives, in families' lives, in my own life, and just being genuine in the relationships that you build, because I think that has had more impact than any one singular program. I think that when you build roots in a place where you say, you know, this is we're going on our sixth year, so we feel rooted in here. You know, sometimes I feel like I've got the keys to the building, even though I'm not a clearance fair, officially a Clarence Farrington Eagle. I feel like a Clarence Farrington Eagle. I feel like part of the staff here. Carol has been to several of our staff meetings out at Connection Point. You know, she's had the opportunity to to pour into our staff at Connection Point. And um, when we found out that she was pregnant, she received lots of letters from the Connection Point staff uh -huh. because everyone is happy at Clarence Farrington or at Connection Point 
about those things. So we've celebrated marriages, babies. You know, it's just a, it's just a part of being a family here. I think it's really important to be strategic, and I also think it's really important to start small. Um, that way, that way, you. I always think that it's most important to under overpromise or underpromise and overdeliver is what I think is a really good example for churches to have. And I think it's really spending the time with the leadership of the school and with the teachers and saying, "What is it that you need?" The worst thing that we can do is come in with our own agenda. We need to figure out what it is that they need, and then we need to walk alongside them to be able to accomplish those things. So I think you, if you're a small church and you've only got 10 people in your church that want to do this, I think you can make a huge impact by just saying, do you need extra, do you need extra hands at lunchtime? You know, just to, be, just to be lunchtime buddies. Do you need reading buddies in your church? So it's really finding out what it is that that school needs and finding out how you can make that impact. And really, both Clarence Farrington and Connection Point, we understand that we want to be the second voice in children's lives and students' lives, not the first voice. We want the parents to be the first voice, and we want to be that second voice. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of challenged family units out there, so how can we best support them, and how best can we support our students by supporting our families mm -hmm. and by supporting our parents? So in the fall, we're being Clarence Farrington University, which is our first phase of making Clarence Farrington a community school. And what we will be doing there is we'll be offering adult learning, student learning, and family learning. Just a few highlights from that will be ESL classes for our families, for our, for our adults that do not speak English. Yep, so that is um, a lot of our families here are Spanish speaking, and so they're wanting to learn English as a second language. The high school equivalency, a lot of our students, as Carol, or a lot of our parents, as Carol said, I think that we're below 50% rate of high school graduates in this community. What a community learning center is, mm -hmm. is simply identifying what a felt need is in a community. So we have partnerships in, in India and in Africa where we help to build community learning centers because we figure out, when you can figure out what is the felt need in a community, that's when people grow both maturely, they, they kind of grow in a holistic approach. It can be their spiritual growth, it can be their mental growth, it can be their physical growth. But when you can have all of those components together in a holistic way, then you're getting a wholehearted student, not just, a, not just their academics or not just their social skills, but you're able to make them a whole person, which is going to give them that opportunity to grow into a responsible adult. And I think that we can point to evidence of where community centers and supports have been successful in cities like Baltimore or even in the Indianapolis area where we have really strong community schools. We see a direct impact in the communities where they serve. And I think as the school leader, what, what I hope my legacy to leave behind, in addition to what Buddy said, is just really showing school leaders that it's possible to build these types of relationships when you open yourself up to saying, I'm going to really know what it is that I need, not just in the short term, but in the long term. And I'm not going to be afraid to work with organizations who can provide that for me. And we're going to we're going to work together to build a common vision and understanding that a partnership does go both ways. And, and as a school leader, there is a part of that that falls to you and, and really making sure that you're genuine on your on your end, too, and that, you know, you're not always putting a hand out. But we're looking at both of us saying, how can we build this together? Last night we had a carnival here for the end of the school carnival and a grandmother who is raising two students here, her son passed away from an asthma attack last year and so she's raising her two children by herself 
She is living below poverty level, but she remembered me from an event and a process that we did six months ago. And she remembered my name, she remembered Connection Point, and she just said, without Clarence Farrington, without Connection Point, I would not be able to support my granddaughters. And she had tears in her eyes, and that is so much more important to me. But the fact that we gave a grandmother hope today, not next year, not next week, but today we gave her enough hope that she could be here. That is what we want. We want to give hope to the families at Clarence Farrington. Connection Point has been just a huge support in every aspect of the building. Um, they started many years ago just really supporting and focusing in on our students and our families um, through the December program and through the Christmas aid. And since then, it's kind of transitioned into more of a staff support piece um, just because we have grown as a school. Um, and so with that, we've just seen overwhelming love provided from Connection Point through all of the different activities and just everything that they do for us. Thank you.